You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 30 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 322nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, June 8th, 2017. I am Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where each week, health willing, we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. My apologies again for having to cancel last week's show at the last minute, but I'm back and better than ever and raring to go tonight. Now, remember, once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Watch us live at assemblycall.com, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to assemblycall.com slash YouTube, and that will redirect you to our YouTube channel page. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. All right, well, let's begin how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And my banner moment for this week comes from a quote said by Archie Miller at the Huber's Winery event last week. And here's the quote. He said a lot of really interesting things, and we're going to get into some of them in uh, today's show. But this is the one that really stuck out to me. We have a chance to build a contender every single year. I mean, what could give you more confidence as a fan than a coach who doesn't shy away from expectations and who appears to have the plan and the fortitude to actually bring it to fruition? You know, I have no doubt that the 2017-18 season the one coming up is going to have its ups and downs as the players get used to Archie and as Archie gets used to the players and as, you know, I'm sure we'll also see a few recruits that we all really want choose other schools. It's inevitable. It's going to be a process. So the 2017-18 season may not be the banner season, but it sure does feel like it will be a season that helps lay the foundation for a banner to come. And that's what has made this offseason such a fun one to experience and to cover. All right. Well, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host. Yes, just one co-host this week. Andy Bottoms is off, still staring at his television set in disbelief after a Cincinnati Red hit four home runs in one game. But here with me, holding down the fort in this two-man extravaganza, is a man who is not on Ohio State's short list of coaching candidates, although he might end up on it the way things are going. He's a writer for the big lead and someone who is pretty sure he could sub in for Kyle Korver in the NBA Finals without anyone noticing. He is... 
Ryan Phillips. Ryan, please kick us off with a rant against anyone saying Archie Miller would have taken the Ohio State job over the Indiana job, which I will remind everyone would have involved replacing his fired mentor in the process. Yeah, I, I think that's actually I'm going to talk that Mata. I think that was going to be my rant anyway. But yeah, I mean, there were some people out there and Jeff Goodman of ESPN was one of them who called me out for for, you know, I, I pretty much said that these people saying that he would have taken the Ohio State job over the Indiana job were wrong and and, and were 100 percent wrong. And, and I think that there's an issue there because. Archie did like the Ohio State job. People had had often mentioned that and connected him to that job. But when he liked the Ohio State job, the Indiana job wasn't open. I mean, and, and the Indiana job is a demonstrably better job than Ohio State. If you look at things like attendance figures and things like that, Ohio State is wallowing down at 60 percent attendance in their uh, arena on a on a on a nightly basis, whereas Indiana is Indiana. And and um yeah, I think that that it, what it reminded me of was Charlie Strong had told pretty much everybody who would listen while he was at Louisville the only job he would leave Louisville for was Florida. And then the Texas job came calling. Well, when a better job comes calling, obviously you're going to take it. So um, I think that's uh, that's the situation that Archie would have found himself in if both were available. I still believe he makes the same choice. Uh, again, as as Jared mentioned, he would have been replacing his mentor. And, and from what it sounds like, that motto was kind of pushed out the door it does not feel like this was a guy resigning because of his health issues it feels like he was shoved out and um it feels like he maybe could have done another year and then and then moved on and and now ohio state because they did it the way they did it they're kind of getting what they deserve because nobody wants to join and and nobody wants to sign up and and it feels like a few other a few guys have already turned that job down uh to stay at their current locations uh greg mcdermott among them it feels like chris mack also sort of made it known that he wasn't going anywhere um so you're moving you know down that list and and one thing it made me feel better about was the fact that that indiana's coaching search was so private so quiet and and we just had the guy. You didn't have guys publicly turning the job down. You didn't look desperate moving along. You 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 just heard about it when Archie got the job. They kept it quiet. They went about their business and they got a top level coach. Andy is actually interviewing for the Ohio State job. That's where he is. That's why he couldn't be here. He's not sure if he'll accept it if they offer, but he is interviewing. Well, he's got a couple. It. He's got a couple grade school girl championships to his name, I That's believe, true. or at least like runner up finishes. He does. He does. Yes. Alrighty, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we move forward on this episode of the Assembly Call. We are, of course, going to talk about the big news from Thursday, which is that the assignments for the ACC Big Ten Challenge were announced, and Duke is coming to Simon Scott Assembly Hall, uh, an announcement that I think surprised a lot of people, so we're going to talk about that right off the top here in a few minutes. Uh, We're going to react to some of Archie Miller's other comments from the Huber's Winery event. I know that seems like it was forever ago, but we didn't have a show last week, so we want to pick up on some of those comments. Uh, You all send in a bunch of questions, so our Twitter Q&A segment is going to be very robust. And then in our final segment, we're going to reflect on the interview that I got to do this week with Victor Oladipo, uh, obviously, which was a name that I was now able to that I'm now able to cross off of my IU interview bucket list. So who else is on that IU interview bucket list? Uh, We will talk about that in our final segment. So a jam packed episode of Assembly Call Radio Uh, before we talk about Duke and Indiana, which is obviously going to be a huge, huge ticket in Bloomington uh, come this upcoming basketball season. A quick word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets, nice, nice segue, Jerry. like that. Well, I mean, it, it fits perfectly, um, obviously, because people are going to be looking for tickets to that game. Y- you know what my first thought was when that was announced? 
maybe we think about making that our trip up this year. Just a Good thought for me. I mean, if we could actually find a way in, <laughs> I know. So just just a thought. I don't know. Might if have to gate happen. crash, guys. We might have to gate crash. <laughs> yeah, we might. We might. Or we can add the SeatGeek app to our phones and look for tickets on the SeatGeek app because buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated. But there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, even to highly anticipated events like Indiana Duke. Fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets, and I used it earlier this year to get tickets to see Yogi play here in Dallas. I used it to buy concert tickets for my wife so I can vouch for it and for SeatGeek from personal experience uh, and just the way that SeatGeek is designed. It makes your ticket experience easier than it has ever been before. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, let's talk about the biggest news, uh, which, as I mentioned, is the Big Ten ACC Challenge announcement. Duke is coming back to Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And I know that you are very excited to relay what happened the last time Duke came to Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It wasn't Simon Scott Assembly Hall back then. And you can do that in a moment. But, but I just I want to address one comment that I got on Twitter right after this was announced. Because obviously, you know, Indiana fans are excited. I think we were kind of wondering, you know, would we be, you know, placed lower, you know, maybe a rematch with Georgia Tech just because, you know, expectations aren't going to be that high. But I really think this is the absolute best case scenario for Indiana. And someone mentioned, you know, did the did the whoever determines this, did they treat Indiana unfairly by making them play Duke, you know, with kind of a rebuilding Indiana year and a new coach? And I'm thinking, man, this was this is the greatest gift that could have been given to Indiana because it's not going to be very long in Archie Miller's tenure that he's going to be able to basically play a home game without the expectation of winning. And I think Duke will probably be favored in this game, even though it's in Bloomington. And while we all expect to win every game in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, it'll be early in the season. You know, there's question marks about this team. It's the first year under Archie. So it's that rare game where you're going to get a crazy, ridiculous home atmosphere and be able to play as an underdog, which I don't think Indiana will be doing for long, under Archie Miller. But that is a huge opportunity for him to get a big signature win early in his tenure at IU and really put his stamp on the program with a big W. I, I think it's an absolute home run for Indiana. Uh, and really a game that it's, it's a win-win situation because, you know, even if you lose it, it's still, you know, a good team. It's obviously not going to hurt your strength of schedule. As, you know, as long as you play well, you can even walk away from a loss feeling good. But you win against a team like Duke, and it could really be confidence building for this team, give them a big win uh, for their NCAA tournament resume, and again, allow Archie to put an early stamp on the program. So I think it's a huge uh, home run in pretty much every way for Indiana. Uh, and needless to say, I'm excited for that game. And uh, shoot, I'm, I'm already ready to do the postgame show for that one. But we've got a long time to wait. Uh, what are your thoughts on Duke coming to town? I agree. I think it's a great opportunity for Indiana. You have a chance at a an early signature win if you happen to win. But at the same time, you also have the chance at um, uh, 
setting something up uh, and and if you do lose and you compete you can raise your profile that way as you said it'll be early in the tenure um it'll be a chance for these guys to test out their system against a really good opponent uh that's going to be the issue as, as we've talked about it's uh the ability to you know take his system out of practice and put it into practice on the court uh and so i think that it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can do that how quickly the team can do that but again you test yourself early um against a very you know a top level opponent uh you get to have the crowd on your side look i i think this is the worst for duke because they have to go on the road to assembly hall whoever get, has to go to assembly hall ask north carolina about it last year they won the national title and and and, and lost early in the season at assembly hall mm-hmm. and, and to a team that you know didn't make the tournament so i you know i i think it's um there's always potential for craziness at assembly hall. And so I think it's, you know, if you're Duke, you have to be looking at this and not being too thrilled about it. Um, just because they know what that atmosphere is going to be. And, 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 you know, it's great for the fans. It's great for the program because look, if you win, that's a big signature win. Then you can say, okay, we have a big win. They're probably going to regress a little bit, you know, to the mean and, and whatever. And while it'll raise expectations, nobody's expecting you to, you know, turn out that kind of win all the time in your first year, but it kind of puts the program on solid footing at that point. So, uh, and it'll be big for recruiting too, of course. So question I, for I think you. That's, I think that's a big deal. We've talked a lot about what Indiana will do with its open scholarship. Any chance Marco Killingsworth has like a game of eligibility left and could come play. I mean, we know he's a Duke assassin, <laughs> 34 points and however many rebounds. Uh, and one of the God. loudest moments in assembly hall history. According to everyone who was there, I that was I have been at a lot of big sporting events. I have been to a lot of big games at Assembly Hall. That is the loudest I have ever heard that building or ever heard a sporting event. And I, you know, it's funny because it's one of those things where I think a lot of people think there's some group think with it. It's like, well, the game wasn't even over. It was eight minutes left or seven minutes. Left. That comeback, they made an 11-0 run on number one Duke. And I think the the factor was that program and those people, those fans have been waiting for four years for something to really cheer about. And when they saw that team fighting back against the number one team in the country when they weren't expected to and made that big run late and Marco Killingsworth throws down a dunk uh, to take the lead. I, I, I've said this repeatedly on this show and I've said it repeatedly elsewhere. It sounded like the roof blew off that building. Um, and, and and I was sitting on the floor covering the game for the IDS and I can tell you the hair on my arms and my neck and everywhere in my body was standing straight up. I mean, it was, I had never felt that kind of an atmosphere at a sporting event. Um, and it was, you know, I will say this, that game, it was loud before it even tipped off. I mean, I'm sitting there with the two guys I was working at the Indiana daily student with, and we had to yell into each other's ear to hear each other in warmups. And then it got, I mean, you couldn't talk to the person next to you. That's how loud it was. It was one of those nights in assembly hall where sound is almost like, and you can almost, you can almost feel it, you know, and you just can't get through it. And, uh, it was, it was a wonderful, awesome night. They lost the game, but that is something I will never forget that run and, and Marco's dunk just, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube folks and it is so loud and unbelievable. And I think that it makes it louder. What made it louder then the Kentucky game where everybody just exploded was I think that half the crowd when Christian Watford hit that shot was so shocked that they weren't speaking and they weren't yelling. And, and, and so instead of having the entire arena screaming at the same time, you would have the people just shocked and stunned. Whereas this was just everybody cheering in the middle of a game and keeping it going. And, and uh, it was an incredible moment and hopefully we'll get another one of those uh, this fall. 
I could listen to you two tell that story every episode. I think you know. It, I, I think I it, mean, it gets better every time. I love that story, man. I just do. I mean, I was very fortunate to be working for the IDS, sitting on the floor in press row when that happened because it's something I'll never forget. I mean, it is a great memory that I have of that season. It's a season that didn't end that great for Indiana as Mike Davis resigned and all that stuff. But that's a memory I'll always have. And and uh, it was just unbelievable. It'll be interesting to see how loud it is when Robert Johnson hits the game winner for that game. Yeah, it really will. I mean, I've been predicting a Robert Johnson game winner for two years now. It's going to happen this year. Why not happen against Duke? I don't think Andy's going to be on that show if Robert Johnson hits a game winner. I think <laughs> no. he's going to drive. I think he's going to drive to Bloomington and kiss the man. So. Assuming he's not coaching for Ohio State. Right. Uh, the offer's going to come any hour. Other real quick, other matchups in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You got Louisville at Purdue, Notre Dame at Michigan State, North Carolina against Michigan. So some really interesting, juicy matchups. And obviously we're biased, but I don't think there's anything as interesting as Duke playing at Assembly Hall. It doesn't happen very often, so when it happens, I think uh, that's uh, that's the biggest game of the challenge. All right, hey, let's some move. of these kids. I will have to say, some of these kids have some payback due to Duke after uh, the the disaster in Durham a few years ago. They so, sure do. Uh, you know, I'm sure that'll be talked about. They sure do. Yes, they do. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we discuss a couple of the other big stories from the past week. Archie Miller's comments at the Huber's Winery event. Talk a little bit more about the firing of Thad Mata, what that means for Indiana. That's coming up. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, let's talk about the other uh, big story. We obviously didn't get a chance to talk about it last week since we didn't have a show last week, but that was Archie Miller's visit down to Huber's Winery for the annual event. Uh, you know, in, in talking with Alex Bozich about that on Podcast on the Brink this week, you know, he said there were 900 plus people there. It was the most people that he's ever seen packed in to that kind of banquet hall room that they have. And he was kind of painting the picture uh, of it. I have never actually been to that event, but he said it was, you know, as packed and as enthusiastic as he has seen it. And I thought there were some really interesting comments that Archie made. I I talked about one that he made in the banner moment about building a contender every single year. But I really thought that his most interesting comments are when he started going player by player. And he was really focused on the five guys who stayed in town because, you know, he gave everybody the option of, you know, spending three or four weeks at home. A lot of the guys took him up on that, but a few guys decided to stay in town. Uh, Juwan Morgan, Devin uh, Deron Davis, Curtis Jones, Robert Johnson, and Colin Hartman all stayed in town. Uh, And, you know, he really had nothing but good things to say about all those guys, and you wouldn't expect anything else, but I thought a few of the comments were really specific and really interesting. So in particular about Deron Davis, he said he's basically down 16, 17 pounds already, and we know how big of an impact that is going to have on Deron's ability to play more minutes, to stay healthy this year, and to fulfill his potential. So that was really, really encouraging to hear. Uh, And then he also said that basically – all the weight that Duran is shedding, they're just trying to put it on to Curtis. <laughs> and, that, and that, you know, for, for Archie, he really seems to think that Curtis kind of changing his body and becoming a college basketball player in terms of his build and strength is really going to help him transform his game and allow that natural skill and natural athletic ability that we can all see that is obvious to shine a little bit more. So all I have to say is that my early plan to launch the Curtis Jones fan club uh, was buoyed even more by Archie Miller's comments at Huber's. I'm not ready to officially state that yet, 
uh, but I am getting closer and closer. And then I thought his comments about Robert Johnson, uh, where he basically said that Robert Johnson is as possessed and focused as any player that he's been around. And I think that's great to hear, in particular with a guy like Robert, because sometimes when a guy you know goes through the process of getting NBA feedback and maybe they're thinking about moving on, you know, you come back and maybe you got one foot in, one foot out. You're not that enthusiastic about it because you were thinking about leaving. But it sounds like Robert really wanted to get the feedback, wanted to get specific information and has, you know, two feet firmly planted in Bloomington, really, really looking toward improving his game as much as he can and making the most of his senior year. And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, obviously, you know, Deron Davis's development is going to be huge for Indiana. Juwan Morgan's health is going to be huge. There's a lot of factors that will go into how good Indiana is. But I think in a lot of ways, Indiana's going to go how Robert Johnson goes. And if he's able to be consistent and really provide leadership and scoring uh, and a consistent defensive presence you know, from his position, I think that's going to be big for Indiana. And so to hear that, you know, Archie did say you know, Bruiser Flint's working with him on talking more. Uh, so obviously we'll see if he can step into that role a little bit more. Uh, but I think if he's focused and takes that next step as a player, it'll be really, really important for Indiana. So, you know, there were a lot of, uh, of interesting comments Archie made, but that was those were the ones that really stuck out about those players in particular. What stood out for you? Yeah, I think it's the same kind of and the, the, pretty much exactly what you said. Uh, I think that the the Robert Johnson being the most focused guy he's ever been around was really interesting. Um, but I, I guess that really shouldn't surprise us because we all know Robert is definitely he's not. I, I, and I don't mean this in a negative way about him being like an introverted guy, but you feel like there's a passion there that's very contained within him as opposed to being an expressive guy. Um, and, and so I think that that, that really didn't surprise me very much. I figured Colin Hartman would be on campus also. I mean, he's an Indiana guy and he also, you know, uh, is, is rehabbing injury. I figured that much. Um, Sounds like he's all in too. That yes. was something else. And, and that's, said. you know, I think that for those guys having to go through last season after winning the big 10 title the year before, that's a huge letdown and they want to get back there. You know, I think that that's, there's, there's a motivating factor. I'm sure Juwan Morgan feels the same way. Um, and, and, you know, Juwan being on campus is good in my opinion, mainly because he's had injury issues in the past. I think it's best for him to be monitored on campus. Uh, you know, his whole workout uh, regimen and everything, be monitored on campus, be what the, you know, figure out what the new regime wants from him. Uh, Deron Davis, again, huge that he's losing weight. We talked about his lateral quickness a number of times on the show. It needs to get better, especially if he's going to be playing the kind of minutes he's playing. Uh, he needs to be more mobile, be able to do pick and roll type stuff, stuff he didn't really do that much as a freshman. And I think that, you know, shedding some pounds and and not necessarily shedding weight, but putting on better weight. And, and he wasn't out of shape. He was a big dude. But I think that it's just getting that leaner muscle on where he can move side to side and, and, you know, move up and down and, and maybe start to run the floor a little more. Uh, all of that is going to be good for him. As and for hey, Kurt, th th there's no shame in putting on a few pounds as a freshman at Indiana. We all yeah, did it. I mean, it come happens. On. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't get to spend my freshman year, my full freshman year at Indiana, but I definitely put on some pounds in my first year in Indiana. I think we could say that. Um, but I, I also want to talk about Curtis Jones because the idea of putting some weight on him is, is, is I think, important as well. I think Archie is right there. Um, Curtis Jones is what I would call a loose player. 
he's a guy who's just kind of all arms and legs and and those guys tend to not be just solid you know you take the ball and you rip it through and you drive and you're constantly in possession yogi ferrell was the ultimate solid player like when he would rip the ball through and drive there was no looseness about his game you could not take that ball away from him and i feel like curtis kind of holds the ball out a little far he's not you know he when he's in possession he doesn't feel like he's in tight possession of the basketball it feels like it's kind of loose and and his shot you know a, a tight player like yogi the shot's the same every time every time he pulls up his motion is the same the shot's the same you know everything about that marshall strickland back in the day speaking of that uh, duke game was a very tight player he was a guy that always repeated his motions all the time was always in command when he had it and curtis just feels loose with the ball and i think putting on weight can help a guy with that and maybe being stronger and maybe you know getting tougher and things like that. The talent is there with Curtis. There's no question about that. It's it's consistency and and just being stronger in every aspect, whether it's defensively, uh, you know, from his body to also, um, you know, his ability to shoot the ball better and stronger on the ball. So those are, those are things that that I certainly agree with as far as uh, as far as Curtis Jones goes. And and I was encouraged to see that after a really rough first you know, freshman season, he stayed on campus as well and, and is getting that one-on-one work with the coaches. Man, we're only in the second segment. We've already had a Marshall Strickland reference and an Earl Callaway reference. We're going deep tonight. Hey, man, two great <laughs> Indiana players. Can't deny those guys. Absolutely. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. Ryan, the other big news, we already mentioned it, Thad Mata fired at Ohio State. So Archie Miller uh, will already have seniority over at least one Big Ten coach heading into this season. Sure. Uh, so Some turnover. You know, Illinois now has Brad Underwood, which I think a lot of people thought was a good choice. You know, in Ohio State, you know, as soon as Mata was fired, you heard all kinds of crazy names being bandied about as possible candidates as you roll your eyes. And I think, you know, I, I kind of did the same thing. But now, you know, we're to the point where, you know, Fred Hoiberg had been talked about. Uh, McDermott apparently interviewed and, you know, maybe didn't want the job or it wasn't offered. Who knows? You know, like you said, Chris Mack, I think he's no longer a candidate. So, you know, who are you looking at now? Like maybe Chris Holtman. Um, do you have any insight on who, who it might be? Well, I was on with Kent Sterling talking about that this week. And, and Chris Holtman would be a great choice. I think that Quite frankly, I know it stinks to say this about an in-state rival, but he's done as good a job coaching over the last three years as anybody in the country, considering what he walked into Butler with and and what he's produced the last few years. He's done a fantastic job. He really has. Uh, But I will say about Butler, that is one of those places where guys who take that job absolutely love it, and they can usually pay their coaches pretty well. Um, There's some money in the program, not to the level of Ohio State, but I mean, guys are usually pretty content there it's kind of a special place that really sucks people in and and um you know it's a really it's it's something we think of as a much smaller program but there is a tradition there now and and guys just seem to love it there so i don't know if he's going to be willing to to leave especially this late in the process that's part of this problem is that they're starting so late that you almost have to start looking at nba guys because the college guys are well into their offseason program and it's going to be really interesting to see somebody jump out of it I know one coach who's not well into an offseason program. Yeah, no, he's already getting paid. I don't think that that Tom Crean is gonna is gonna jump anywhere uh, in the Big Ten. That's just my feeling. I think that Tom really wants a year off, uh, just based on some of his comments. Uh, I think he's gonna enjoy doing some TV work or you know whatever he winds up you know doing. Yeah. But um, 
I, I think that that he's going to want to take a year off, let his family kind of settle down and, and figure something out. Uh, as for Mata, though, you know, I, I think obviously there's some health issues there, but I, it, this just feels like he was forced out because of that. Maybe there wasn't a long term commitment that he could make because of those issues. Um, and and. You know, it really, this really is a, what have you done for me lately business? It just is. And that's never more clear than seeing Thad Mata, the all-time winningest coach at Ohio State, who's had two bad years. Um, they happen to come in the last two years and be back-to-back. But other than that, he's had an, uh, a fantastic track record of success there. And now he's gone. And and, and that's really surprising that they were able to let, the, to let him go after two admittedly rough years. Um, that, that was really shocking to me that he didn't get to go out on his own terms considering what he's done for that program. And with that, we have now covered the Thad Modifier at Ohio State basketball more than all Ohio State blogs and podcasts combined as they talk about <laughs> football. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> can Urban Meyer coach both? Is that how that works? It's Probably. I think he could. All right. Uh, stick with us. Coming up, you all sent in a bunch of questions. So we wanted to save some extra time for our Twitter Q&A segment. So we've got a lot of time for it. Stick with us because that is going to be a fun question. We will do that next on the Assembly Call. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Remember to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly Six Banner Saturday news roundup delivered right to your inbox each Saturday morning. I've actually been doing those on Sunday. Uh, It's a little bit easier to manage. So Six Banner Sunday... Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent change, but Six Banner Saturday or Sunday. You'll get it one morning on the weekend. It'll, uh, be, the, and it'll be the Six Banner weekend. Six, just, yeah, Six Banner weekend. So uh, that'll help you stay up to date with your Hoosier news during the off season, and we'll continue doing it once the season begins. Again, that URL, assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris, talking IU basketball here with my co-host on the Assembly Call, Ryan Phillips. Remember, you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every week right here on Assembly Call Radio. All right, it is time for our Twitter Q&A. You all sent us in a bunch of questions via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Assembly Call, so make sure you're following us on there. If you're not, it's a great way to interact with the show and send us questions. We got a bunch of them, so let's start going through these, Ryan. Uh, this question from Andrew. What is your projected record for these marquee non-conference games uh, for Indiana, and does the fan base get upset if we don't win any of them? So as of right now, we don't know the full non-conference schedule, but we do know that Indiana will be playing against Duke. We know that they will play at Seton Hall in the Gavit games, and that's a good Seton Hall team that will probably be a top 25 team. Indiana will be at Louisville, so that game is at Louisville. That's a true road game. And then against Notre Dame in the Crossroads Classic. So four really meaty, solid, good non-conference games for Indiana. What is your projected record? Obviously not knowing who's going to be playing, what injuries may be, anything else about those games. Just off the top of your head, how do you think Indiana does? Uh, You go first, man. This is you. I want you to go first. So I think Indiana is going to beat Duke. Uh, I think we're going to win at home. I think the atmosphere is going to be crazy. Uh, I don't think Indiana will win at Louisville. Um, the Notre Dame game to me, I think that's a game Indiana wins. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked a lot at Notre Dame, but I just feel like that's another kind of in-state statement game that'll be important. And I want to say that Indiana will win at Seton Hall. For some reason, I keep thinking of that game like the NC State game in the 2011-12 season, like this early season road game that you know Indiana is not expected to win, and they do. But that Seton Hall team, obviously uh, better than what that NC State team was. And so I think that's probably going to be a, a, a difficult test on the road that early for that team. 
So I think Indiana goes two and two. And I will say, does the fan base get upset if we don't win any? Wait, I don't you, think said, you said you said the other. See, so you don't think they'll win at Seton Hall. No, I don't think they'll oh, win okay. at Seton Hall. Sorry, I, I I've been kind of trying to talk myself into it, but I think I think those you know getting a win at Seton Hall or at Louisville would be tough. Uh, does the fan base get upset if we don't win any? I think the fan base would be disappointed, but I don't think anybody would be upset unless we just go and get our doors blown off. And, you know, as long as we play hard, and that's something else Archie Miller said at Huber's Winery is, you know, a lot can go wrong for this team, but the one thing that won't is we will play hard. And no matter what, as Indiana fans, we'll be able to look up with pride and say our team, you know, played hard. And I believe him. I think Indiana will. So I think that win or lose, we'll play well in those games. Um, I think, but to me, I think two and two, uh, but I think it's still, you know, as long as Indiana's playing well, I don't think anybody will get too upset if we compete, but don't win them. Disappointed, but not upset. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think they win the Notre Dame game. Um, I think Seton Hall on the road is a toss up. I would lean no because Seton Hall is a pretty experienced team and they're playing at home, uh, like a true home game, not, you know, in their town home game. You know, I mean, this is, they're going to be that comfortable on their own floor. Uh, so I lean no on that, but I think that's kind of a toss up as well. Um, the Louisville game I think is a loss. No, you know, no question. I think that's a loss. Rick Pitino is going to have some good players coming back, uh, as always. And, and they're very tough at home any time of the year, especially early. Um, and, and then I think the Duke game, again, for me, the Duke game is a toss-up just because of the atmosphere, the energy. Um, they This group has always played well as an underdog. Uh, so I, I would lean towards Duke being a toss-up that they could win. Uh, I'm not going to go say I'm predicting them to beat Duke. I'm, I'm putting it on the line as a toss-up, leaning towards a win. Um, but Notre Dame, I think they will beat. Uh, I'm not hedging. Indiana will beat Duke. I'm saying fine. It right now. Indiana will beat Duke. There we go. Um, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to clip that out and like just play it as like one of our drops, like one of our soundbite drops when they get if they get blown out. They won't. Um, That's not happening again. Yeah, no, it won't. But uh, so I, I say two and two as well with the same. I have the same picks. Uh, but again, I think that Duke game is gonna be. It's going to really depend on who's healthy. You know, everybody. We're assuming everybody's healthy going to that game. It's a normal progression uh, for the for the team. You know, in a, in a coach's first year, and I I don't think that the fan base will be angry if they don't win any of them. Um, I again, like you said, I think it's going to depend on how they play, how they show up. Um, are they going to fight, or are they just going to kind of get behind and roll over? I don't think that's what we should expect from these guys, but you know, y- you got to see it. But in a coach's first year, your expectations should be muted because he's got to put that system in. He's got to do this by the end of the year. You judge how the team is playing. You judge them by that because it's going to take a while. It takes a while. You see that in every sport. When a coach comes in, for the most part, and there are very rare circumstances where this isn't the case, it takes a while to implement everything. It takes a while to get the players out of their old habits into their new habits and playing a different way. So um, obviously expectations should be sort of, hey, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be a good team. But this isn't about this year. I mean, you want to win this year, but this is about the next 10 years when you hire a coach. It's not about who's going to get us to win now. This is about the next decade of, of basketball in Indiana. So, um, you know, uh, hopefully they come out and play well. I think I hope the fan base is understanding because it is a first year. So speaking of the next decade of Indiana basketball, Hoosier in Chapel Hill asks, when Tom Izzo retires, will IU become the premier program in the Big Ten? 
It's a good question. I mean, obviously, you know, no longer is Bo Ryan uh, at Wisconsin, Thad Mata out at Ohio State. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at programs that obviously have some stability outside of Michigan State, you know, Michigan has been pretty good under John Beeline. Uh, you know, Minnesota has kind of been an ascendant team just for the last year under Richard Pitino, but can that really sustain? Is Northwestern going to keep it up under Chris Collins? Um, I think Indiana is very well positioned with Archie Miller and with just the built-in resources of the program to be the premier program in the Big Ten. And I will say that's kind of – I mean, that's what my expectation is, and I think that's what Archie Miller's expectation is, and I don't think that's an unfair one. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, what Tom Izzo has done at Michigan State is remarkable, and I think it's a great model for, you know, what Indiana can be. Uh, but I think Indiana is very well positioned given some of the coaches that have left uh, and given what Indiana has now uh, to be that, that team that takes over the Big Ten once Tom is right. retires. Look, I know results haven't been what they were, you know, and, and what we expect, but who said Indiana isn't the premier program in the Big Ten? I mean, is there a program that if you were starting today, no coaches anywhere, let's say, the, the, all the coaching jobs are vacant, where is the job that everybody would want to go to? Well, sure. It's, in, it's, it's Indiana. But we just haven't it, – it's, it's been about getting the perfect fit at who the has coach the best, who can maximize right, exactly. the program. But who has had the better track record lately? Of course, Michigan State is the top program right now. But it, again, if you're talking strictly about the program and, 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 and the history and the, you know, the premier program, the program that everybody wants to go to, again, take the coaches away and just look at the resources of the programs and, and look at the history and look at the tradition and look at the fan base and all of that stuff. Indiana is the premier program in the Big Ten. They may not win as regularly as they should have. And, and again, it's been about, as you said, getting the right coach to develop some kind of consistency over a long period of time. And that's what Archie Miller was brought in to do. So I will they become the premier program? I don't even think it, they may wait till Izzo is done. If the right coach is there, Indiana will surpass everybody because of, the again, the resources, the built-in, you know, they recruit Indiana. They can recruit from the state of Indiana. They can do all of these different things that other schools do not have an advantage, uh, don't have that kind of advantage. So it's almost like cheating. I mean, you get a, a big boost when you come in to Indiana because you are so far ahead of everybody else in resources, in fan you know, support, all that stuff. So um, I would say that, that I don't believe it will uh, – I, I don't believe IU is not the premier program. They just haven't had the results that would be commensurate with that lately. I like it. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips answering the questions that you sent us via Twitter. Ryan, let's go to Eric's question. Uh, and so Eric asked us, if you could pick one player in college basketball to add to IU's roster this season, who would it be? And we were talking between segments that we should make this one player in the Big Ten to add to IU's roster. Just and to, cut, I think yeah, it, just to well, cut down on the, you know. Yeah, but as, as I think about it more, I'm not sure that it would change my answer um, because I think that the, the top two guys that I would have picked are both in the Big Ten. Uh, the guy that I chose, and I chose this for two reasons. One, I chose this guy because obviously Indiana has a hole down low. I mean, we have Deron Davis, but not a lot of depth behind him. Uh, and this is obviously a guy that has tormented Indiana, so it would be nice to not have to play him. That would be an added bonus uh, of, uh, uh, of getting him. But that is Ethan Happ. Uh, and the second reason that I chose him is just because I knew that it would kind of set you off. And I want to see that face that you make. When when talking about Ethan Happ and his incessant traveling, yeah, you um, mean the fact that he travels every time he gets the ball, yeah, yes, no, uh, and that... he does, and he does, but that would help Indiana kind of shore up their 
their lack of depth down low would give you a little bit of insurance against injury. You know, if a guy like Juwan Morgan gets hurt, you know, gives you a little bit of depth. But I think you made a good point, and I may actually already be wavering on my choice and ready to side with the choice that you made. Uh, oh. because, because while I think that it is important, you know, to kind of fill a hole like that, I also think you should probably just take the best player. Uh, you know, this was, Indiana that, roster isn't so stacked that you wouldn't just take the best player, and that is probably – do you want to give us your – Miles Bridges yeah. is the guy I would take. And I think, by the way, before I get into my uh, talk about it, I just want to say I think that's as close as Jared will ever come to saying, hey, Ryan, you were right. Um, but <laughs> yes, but yes. I, I would take Miles Bridges because while Indiana does have, has, have needs uh, in the post um, – You've got Deron Davis to start at center. You can move Bridges out. He's skilled enough to play at a stretch four kind of kind of position. He can shoot the three. He can move around the floor. And then if Davis were to get in foul trouble, he could take that post roll, uh, you know, over. Then you spread everybody else out on the on the perimeter. Indiana's done that plenty of times. Put Juwan Morgan out there, Colin Hartman, whoever, as that sort of inside outside presence. So I think that it would fit best with the roster for Bridges. Not only is Bridges the best player in the conference, I think, but he again fits really what they're trying to do. I feel like Hap is a back to the basket guy at all times. And that kind of conflicts with what Davis would do. Now, if you get Hap, great, you figure it out, you know, you roll with it and figure it out. But I think that miles bridges would be the guy you'd want to add to this roster specifically, because I think that he's so much more versatile and can do many more things for you. And I think he's a better defender than Hap is. Yeah, I agree. See, there you I, go. I, I agree. Uh, Brian, Brian Tonsoni in the chat said Bryant McIntosh, his favorite non-IU player in the Big Ten. I, honestly, I, I, I love Bryant McIntosh. I love how he plays. I just think that we've got a lot of guards already. And But but I, I certainly can't argue with that choice. I think the guard depth in Indiana is one of the strong suits, though. So I think that that's, that, that's what holds that back a little bit. But Brian, I mean, that's that's a great call. So here's an interesting question from Jeff. With new recruits joining the team next week, so Al Durham, Clifton Moore, Justin Smith, they will be on campus. What would each of them have to do to have a successful summer? And, and it's an interesting question because, you know, we don't always get a, a whole or we haven't always gotten a whole lot of insight, you know, into what guys are doing in the offseason. But now we're getting a lot more, you know, with social media and just with some of the behind the scenes stuff that we see. So to me, I think this is a, a pretty easy answer, which is they need to get in and get working physically with Cliff Marshall and get their conditioning, get their strength to where they're going to be able to play at the next level because that's going to be the biggest adjustment for them from, I mean, based on, I'm obviously not speaking from experience, but based on everything I've heard, and I'm sure they know this, just the speed of the game, the size of the game, the strength of the game. And so whatever they can do to physically get themselves ready, obviously once practice starts and once Indiana starts installing their offense and their defense, they're going to have to get up to speed mentally but the more that they can get themselves in shape physically and ready for the rigors ready for the grind then I think the more into it they'll be able to be mentally uh, because obviously as we know you know when you get tired uh, you know the, that your, your ability to focus and your ability to pay attention to detail isn't always there and for young guys they struggle with that a lot of times anyway so the more that they can get themselves physically ready for the season uh, I think is probably the best thing that they can do this summer what would you say for the new guys coming in well, if you want to go player by player, I think Al Durham obviously needs to work on his shot. Uh, I agree with you. The physicality getting into the gym, I think that's a given. Um, Clifton Moore needs to eat like three steaks a day. 
Justin Smith needs to just round out his game. I think um, maybe again add some add some more strength. He's he's a super athletic guy. Uh, you know, work on your jumper, do things like that because that you know work on the things that'll get you into a game. And I think developing his jump shot will really help him because he's already athletic enough to play. Uh, Clifton Moore definitely just size man. He's got to add some weight. He is such a skinny kid. Uh, he's I love his skill level. I love you know his length, all that stuff. But he just has to add weight and and. Um, it's he's, sort of he's going to have to play some next year. I he mean, probably will. Yeah. Um, and, and you just can't be out there and getting pushed around. And, and so it's kind of like the Curtis Jones thing. He needs to be a more solid player in many ways across the board uh, with strength and, and, you know, toughness and things like that. Um, I don't question his toughness. I think it's there, but he's got to be strong enough to back it up. Um, and and uh, Durham, I think, yeah, it's a jumper. It's his jumper. He needs to work on that. He's a tough, hard-nosed guard, but he needs to be able to hit shots from the outside. So those are the three things I think each guy needs uh, needs to work on. That's good. That's good. All right, a few quick hit questions here to round out. Uh, we've gotten this question a few times, so I want to address it. Eric wonders, if you could only get one, would you rather get Romeo Langford or Keon Brooks? Langford I think Langford. he's the I think he's the the next big thing um and he and, may only be there for one year I mean to be fair Keon Brooks could be a one and done guy too so th- there could you could make an argument you know that, that maybe you'd want the guy that could be there longer but I think just what it would represent to get Romeo yeah. and I, I'm not saying it's likely but I think that the signal that would send would be just tremendous yeah, I think that's that's the issue there is that uh, going down to southern Indiana and snagging a player like that, um, you know, going into that area and snagging a guy is is a huge deal, especially when it looks like you're going up against Duke. Uh, and, you know, some other schools obviously are in the mix as well. But but, you know, if you can go beat them in your first year as a recruiter in for Archie Miller is uh, that's a big deal. And so I would say Romeo Langford, I think he's uh, he's he's a program changing kind of recruit as far as i've seen all right last question for you this is from seth who would win five on five five yogis or five cody's Jeez, i mean that's a tough i mean that's a deep philosophical question you've got to really yeah you got to really worry about i would just, say just, just visualize that i like that question just i because am the visual is really entertaining Jared. <laughs> i you may think this is a joke it's not a joke i pondered this before many times <laughs> Um, does the winner get five Oladipos or Ooh, does, Ooh, yes. I would say I would give it to five Cody's because he's wow. A, so the versatility and offensively all five Cody's could just back down the shorter yogis. Um, and rim protection is a big deal there as mm, well. So I, w- I would go with five Cody's. Now, if the winner gets five Oladipos, I'm taking Oladipo. I'm taking the Oladipo. I'm taking Oladipo. More yeah. versatility. So uh, I'm saying Cody would five Cody's would beat five Yogi's. Although Man. it's hard. That's hard for me to say. But you know my love for Yogi. I do. I do know your love for Yogi. Okay. Well, you just mentioned Victor Oladipo. So speaking of Victor Oladipo, I had a chance to interview Victor this past week. I'll tell you what the biggest highlight was from what Victor said in that interview. And then we're going to talk about our IU interview bucket list, which should make for a fun final segment. Stick with us on the assembly call.
You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another episode of Assembly Call Radio. So this past week was quite a fun one for me as I had the opportunity to interview Victor Oladipo. He's got a camp coming up uh, June 19th through the 23rd in Greenwood. And so uh, obviously, you know, he, he wants to promote that camp. And so he gave us some time on Podcast on the Brink. We re-ran that uh, episode here on the Assembly Call feed as well. So if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you can go back one episode uh, and hear that conversation with Victor. And my biggest takeaway from talking to him was what he said in response to my question about whether or not he thinks it's fair that Indiana fans are so quick to compare guys to him, you know, like a, an underrated recruit. Well, he could be the next Victor Oladipo, you know, a guy who's ready to make a jump from his sophomore to his junior year. He could be the next Victor Oladipo, you know, a, a swing man who's a really good athlete but needs to become a better shooter. He could become the next Victor Oladipo, and we're so quick to do that. And I wanted to know his thoughts on that. And he basically said that it wasn't fair. You know, it wasn't fair to hold guys to that standard of, you know, a guy who was, you know, the 144th recruit and became the number two pick in the draft. It doesn't happen that often. And, you know, he kind of started to go down that road with his answer, but then he kind of veered a little bit and said, you know, the, the, the guy that people should be, the guys that people should be con- comparing themselves to isn't Victor Oladipo anyway. It's Calbert Chaney and it's Isaiah Thomas, the best players at IU. Because as he said, those are the guys that he compared himself to. And so, you know, he was kind of quick to make that correction. I just thought that was a really interesting perspective. And I think it's something interesting for us to think about as, you know, uh, observers of IU basketball and as fans. And, you know, it comes from a place of love. We loved watching Victor play, and we all love to see every player have that kind of growth and progression. Uh, But it is important to remember that Victor is Victor, and there were very special traits about him that allowed him to get to the place where he is. And so just because on the surface someone might look like they fit into the Victor Oladipo narrative, that is a very, very, very rare narrative. And I think we need to remember that when comparing people to him, how special of a player he was and how special of a story uh, his was. So that was uh, that was the best lesson for me. But obviously, interviewing Victor, that was a big name on my IU interview bucket list that I was able to cross off. And it got me thinking about, you know, who else is out there that would be at the top of my bucket list for people to interview. And so, uh, Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. But, you know, real quick, it won't surprise anybody to know that Cal Albert Chaney is at the top of my IU interview bucket list. Greg Graham would be there, but I've already interviewed him before, so he he's not on there. If we could do anyone, you know, uh, living, dead, I would certainly want to interview Bill Garrett and Branch McCracken, two giants in the history of IU basketball. And then a couple of other names that are interesting. I think Jay Edwards would be really interesting to interview because, you know, that run that they went on in 1989 was so much fun, and that he was really the first IU player that I fell in love with as a young kid watching games. And just to hear how things went for him after he left IU. And then, of course, Ivan Renko, because, I mean, if you're the guy to get the Ivan Renko interview, <laughs> that would just be second to none. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Who, and, and by the way, we want to know who's on your IU interview bucket list. So send us a tweet at Assembly Call. Who's on your bucket list, Ryan? Well, I, I would say Damon Bailey, but I've, I've interviewed him several times when he was a high school coach at, uh, in Bedford. Um, I got a chance to sit down with him you know, a number of times and good guy, but uh, it wasn't. Um, I don't think that would be as effusive an interview as I think that I would, I would love to get Uh Yogi Ferrell is one because we've talked about him so much on this show and, uh, we happen to know his mom. So come on, doc Libby, you know, pony up, get the kid on here. Um, Yogi, you're welcome. Anytime. anytime. Uh, uh, Dan Dockage, because he's such a big fan of our show would be a great one. Uh, 
I Christian Watford would be a good one too. I want to talk about the shot extensively. Um, and then I think the Van Arsdale brothers would be really interesting. They're still alive. They're 74. Uh, two guys who grew up together as twins played together at Indiana went to the NBA, were both on the all-rookie team for different teams. It was the first time they played a part. Uh, you know, Dick Van Arsdale's number is retired, and and Tom Van Arsdale, you know, was a very successful player. So I think the, those would be – that would be really fun. All very good choices. That's fun. So let us know what your choices are, and that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth, plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.